Hello, my name is Robert Cunningham, and welcome to this week's episode of Every Square Inch, where we engage every square inch of God's world with God's worldview. Uh, We are, what, now a month and a half into this podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. Thanks to all who have reached out with your comments, questions, and uh, suggested topics. I haven't had a chance to respond to all of them, but I promise that I read all of them. Your emails are not in vain. Uh, also, just had the chance to catch up on all the Apple Podcast reviews, which are really encouraging. Uh, so thanks for taking the time to leave your feedback and write those. Uh, so today I want to I want to talk socialism uh, and capitalism, I suppose, a little bit of both. I just wrote a piece for Kentucky Sports Radio where I offer my perspective on the California legislation and it seems like soon-to-be Kentucky legislation that prohibits universities for penalizing student-athletes for uh, signing endorsement deals, monetizing their likeness, and even working with agents. All of these bills are going to dramatically impact college athletics, and there's a good chance that we are witnessing the final year of amateurism as we have always known it. So anyway, my piece for KSR is called The Biblical Case for Paying Players. And in it, I argue for a biblical basis um, for the foundational principles of capitalism. And then I applied that to college sports, which I argue is exploiting athletes in unbiblical ways. Anyway, I, I don't want to rehash that. You can go read that for yourself on KentuckySportsRadio.com uh, when, when, when it's posted. But in light of that, I wanted to use this podcast to talk more in depth about uh, economic trends in our culture. Specifically, let's discuss the surprising resurgence of socialism. Among millennials and Gen Z, we have almost reached the tipping point of socialism being the preferred economic philosophy with latest polling Uh, showing 49.7% preferring to live in a socialist society. Of course, the rock star of millennial politics, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is an avowed socialist herself, and two of the three frontrunners for the DNC nomination. So it's not just a a fringe radical thing. Two of the three frontrunners, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, are socialists. That might be unfair to Senator Warren. I think she's a little more reluctant with the term, but certainly her policies align with Senator Sanders, who has no problem calling himself a socialist. So all of this only begs the question of how something that has proven time and again, not just to fail, but destructively fail, and how something that has been so historically unpopular in our culture. Uh, There was a time when socialist was the most feared political label in our country. How is it that it has suddenly gained not just acceptance, but even popularity? There are, of course, a lot of hot takes being written, most of which are different spins on the same idea, entitled youth who just want a bunch of free stuff. But I think the answer is more nuanced. Instead of dismissing the rise of socialism as purely the rise of entitlement, A much more humble and teachable approach is to sincerely ask if it is a reaction to something in our culture gone awry. And I think that may be the case. I recently read an interesting article about how 
about a new housing crisis that is upon us, and it's that there are no buyers for the excessively gaudy homes that boomers have built. There is simply no market for these enormous and extravagant houses because, quite frankly, millennials just don't want them. And I believe this is emblematic of a cultural shift that has taken place. The rising generation is, speaking very candidly, disenchanted by American excess. So what if the rise of socialism was less about entitlement and more about a rebuke? A protest from our youth that are disgusted by our greed and overconsumption and want no part of it. I really do think this is the case. I believe in their minds Socialism is much more about justice than it is economics. They are, after all, known as the justice generation. So what you need to know about millennials and those younger is that they are much more concerned about helping than accumulating. What stirs them is causes of justice. Now, we can critique how they go about justice. Uh, We can point out hypocrisies in their pursuit of justice But at the end of the day, making a difference is more important to them than making a fortune. And then here comes socialism with its false promise of justice, and not surprisingly, they flock to it. Of course, socialism has proven time and time again to promise justice and deliver exploitation, but it's the hope of justice that has them so intrigued. So my contention is that it's not capitalism being rejected as much as our greed. That is to say, they are, re- they are rejecting the version of capitalism that we have shown them, which in many cases is the selfish abuse of capitalism to feed our insatiable consumerism. What if instead of dismissing our youth, we were to listen to them, to heed their rebuke, What if instead of mocking the rise of socialism, we reimagine capitalism? What do I mean by reimagining capitalism? The assumption is that capitalism is inherently a greedy system, meaning the very mechanism that keeps it flourishing is the love of money. But this is a false assumption, and I think Christians in particular are called to challenge that assumption and demonstrate to the world a better way of doing capitalism, the way the Bible prescribes. It may come as a surprise to some, but the Bible is actually a revolutionary document on the issues of economics. What emerges from the passages such as the Old Testament laws and the Proverbs are really innovative concepts of private ownership, free trade, uh, and just transactions. We take these principles for granted, but that is only because we inhabit a culture where they are just assumed. But historically speaking, this is not the case until the 16th century when Western Europe, yes, influenced by the biblical worldview, began practicing what we now know as capitalism. And yet, despite the very tenets of capitalism finding their inception in a biblical worldview, the Bible is still often accused of espousing socialism. Why is that? Because the Bible teaches the principles of capitalism, but then applies those principles in a way that resembles what socialism vainly promises. 
meaning it retains private ownership and free exchange, but then turns right around and expects that same private ownership and free exchange to be used for the common good. I'll give you an example uh, of that tension. Jesus to the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. There you have the foundations of capitalism, go sell, so free and fair market exchange, everything you have, so private ownership, it's yours. But then in the same breath, you see these principles of capitalism applied to the common good and give it to the poor. So here we have capitalism's philosophy accomplishing socialism's ambition. Now, I'll grant that this is an extreme example where Jesus is doing what he always does and pressing in on this man's unique idol of wealth and power. So, no, Jesus is not demanding we sell everything we have and give it away. Uh, Jesus was making an extreme point here. But the paradigm is still consistent throughout Scripture. I'm preaching through the book of Acts and recently preached a passage which is notoriously misunderstood as espousing socialism. Uh, In Acts 2, it says this about the newly formed Christian community. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, once again, you have free exchange and private ownership. They were selling their possessions and their belongings. But at the same time, it sounds like socialism and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So I guess you could say it's capitalism that feels a little like socialism, which is precisely the point. It's not state-mandated distribution of wealth. It's the voluntary distribution of wealth. And this, my friends, is what our greed-sick world is dying to see from us. It's not the rejection of capitalism, nor is it the exploitation of capitalism. It is the redemption of capitalism. The remedy is generosity. Again, the lie is that capitalism runs on greed, but it doesn't have to run on greed. It can run on just on generosity just as effectively. That is to say, you could accumulate wealth in order to give it away. I think this might be the most compelling witness of the church in our time because it seems that nobody in our culture, lives this way. Even Bernie Sanders, the the, the great prophet against wealth and the great champion of socialism, is ironically miserly with his money. In 2017, his tax returns show that he made far, far more than I made, $1,131,925 to be precise. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I as a pastor, didn't come close to the million-dollar million dollar mark in 2017. And yet at the same time, I gave away much, much more than Senator Sanders. Now, don't be impressed by that because he only gave $1,166 in charitable donations, uh, only 0.3% of his income. And yet in the year prior, 2016, Senator Sanders purchased his third house, a waterfront vacation home for $575,000. Now listen, Bernie Sanders can spend his money how he wishes. I only point this out 
to show that even the very face of socialism in America is not impervious to the American entrapments of consumption and excess. I wonder how our greed-fatigued culture might respond to a counter-movement that did capitalism differently. I'm telling you, this would be utterly compelling to the rising generation. To show them it's not capitalism that's the problem. It's what we've done with capitalism. Our greed, our extravagance, our, our hoarding, our gluttony, and all these other things that we have exploited capitalism in order to feed. But the point I'm making is that capitalism doesn't have to work that way. Unlike socialism, it doesn't tell you what to do with your money. It can fund whatever we want it to fund, whether it be a reckless lifestyle or reckless love of God and neighbor. And what I'm saying is that if we want to change the minds of our youth and curb the resurgence of socialism, then we need to show them the latter. Show them capitalism's unrivaled ability not just to accumulate wealth, but to unleash generosity. So get rich in order to give richly. I think it was Rick Warren who put it like this. Socialism says, what's yours is mine. Capitalism says, what's mine is mine. Christianity says, what's mine is yours. That's the tension again. That's the biblical tension. What's mine is yours. Private ownership existing for the purposes of the common good. The Apostle Paul says it like this. As for the rich in this present age, that's all of us, by the way. If you're an American, you are, by definition, the rich in this present age, globally speaking. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich, I love this wordplay, to be rich in good works, to be generous and eager, ready to share. Notice that he does not condemn them for being rich. In fact, he, he even says that God provides wealth to be enjoyed. So yes, don't feel guilty. Enjoy what God's given you. But then he also makes it very clear that they are called to do something with their wealth that goes way beyond enjoyment. They are to be generous and eager to share. I love that description, eager to share. It has the feel of someone ready, on the look, for an opportunity to be generous. We are, we are familiar with the idea of eagerly looking for an opportunity to feed our wants, always looking towards the next purchase, always looking toward the next vacation, the next something you want that you think you need. But this is someone eagerly looking for the next opportunity to be generous. Now you tell me whether capitalism done that way wouldn't be both compelling and beautiful. It most certainly would. If you, like I, lament the rise of socialism, then we must demonstrate how redeemed capitalism can actually deliver what socialism vainly promises. We must demonstrate the biblical principles of capitalism leveraged to accomplish the biblical ambitions of the common good.
So my admonition is simple. Get rich and give it away. And if you're already rich, you can get started today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back next week for another episode of Every Square Inch. Every Square Inch.